Good morning. My name is uh, Rod. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Central Heights Church, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to bring uh, God's Word to you today. Uh, I've only been here for about six months now, and it, boy, time flies. It feels like I've been here for a long time, and, and uh, I'm really excited to be able to be here, uh, here right now with you today. Uh, I'm really excited to be a part of a team, and uh, I look at myself as a, as a teammate in Christ with all of you. And uh, you'll, if you ever get an email from me, you'll notice that I sign off like that because I really believe that we're in this together. And so I look at me standing up here isn't just me. It's, it's an extension of our team. And so that's why I'm, I'm excited to be here. We're going to be talking today about value number seven. And, you know, seven's a great number, of course. So, you know, I'm, I feel pretty fortunate to be able to talk about authentic relationships today. And what authentic relationships are is we value loving and enjoying people just as Jesus did. We value marriage as a sacred union, union between one man and one woman. Life transformation takes place through authentic, accepting, forgiving relationships that are marked by truth, unity, and grace. It's a pretty full statement, and I hope to unpack that a little bit with you this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we get to have this opportunity to open up your word and, and hear from you today. Lord, may you speak clearly to us. And as we, as we listen, as we, as we read, as we digest what you're speaking to us, make it evident to us how we should be transformed. Lord, we want to be transformational type people. We want to grow. And so, Lord, I pray that today and this morning we would grow. And then as we leave this place, we would continue to grow and that you would bless the work that's going on here in, in so many different ways. We just thank you for this time and pray for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many times have you ever been at the dinner table and, uh, been at a, or been at a social function and watched a group of people and noticed a little distraction, a little screen that people you know, have in front of them sometimes? And it's unique. I'm going to be preaching from a little screen today, and I hope that's not distracting to you. I'm, I'm kind of experimenting with this today. Uh, remember when Facebook came, first came out and we were pretty interested in seeing how many friends we could get? And then, uh, you know, Aunt Myrtle would post how many soups she made that day or, you know, we, it was a really unique time. Uh, some, of us, uh, some of us mark our, uh, our day, our, our, our productivity in our day by how many emails we get to process. Now, some of us are bombarded with technology constantly. And some of us are wondering, what is this all about? And so I want to kind of expose to us today uh, authentic relationships and what that means in our world today. And uh, I want to know how many are holding electronic devices right now. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but some of you are holding your, your electronic device right now, and I hope your Bible is open on it. It's funny to me that we used to think that people were connected by the amount of uh, social invitations we, re we would receive in a year, and I got to go to the governor's ball, or I got to go to this Christmas party, and we used to be measure our, our connections through that. Uh, today, it's a little bit different. Uh, today, what we receive invitations constantly, electronically. Uh, we, we often decline or push, push that little X button uh, when we get these invitations. And we are, we are uniquely connected today more than any other time in history. And a lot of that has to do with what we hold in our hands or what we type on a keyboard. 
And what we have to ask ourselves are these connections, these relationships, are they truly authentic? I was fortunate to be a part of a big entrepreneurial, uh, fast-paced, service-focused, customer-driven company for 21 years. Uh, Plus, uh, you know, I had a boss who was always happy. Uh, You know, some might even say he was a bit of a clown. And uh, so it was great being able to work with many people uh, and uh, obviously behind the counter, but serve billions and billions in in McDonald's. And that was my life for a long time. And... uh, It was very interesting to work with mostly young people. And uh, obviously during the day, you'd be talking constantly with your coworkers, and you know, every once in a while a customer would come in. (laughs) Those were good. Uh, But we would chit chat all day. And uh, believe it or not, quite often the conversation would revolve around what video games were being played. And uh, that was kind of interesting uh, for me. Uh, now imagine working in drive-through, and you're wearing something very similar to this right here, and you're talking all day to a little screen. You'd actually get pretty good at it, and uh, you'd be under a lot of pressure to serve hundreds of cars in an hour. You know, you'd be working fast. But what happened was uh, a lot of the employees would get pretty good at talking electronically, and they would create authentic relationships in some weird way, face to screen. That's something that I watched over over many years. And so let me explain this a little more fully. I'm actually a bit of a video game junkie. Um, My mom would take me uh, and my brother to the arcade. Uh, That's actually a place where you put quarters into a big box. And uh, you you play a game that's worse than you're on your phone right now. So I I would go to these arcades, and that that was pretty cool. And and so I've always liked video games. But let let me jump ahead to Xbox Live and uh, back into McDonald's. Of course, I would, uh, I would talk at work about the games that our staff were playing, and, and it was pretty fun, and, you know, engaging conversation, and, and of course, uh, I would let them know what my gamer tag was, Hot Rod. <laughs> well, and so we, I mean, we would actually play after work online, and uh, who wouldn't want to beat their boss? Like, I had, I had my staff always wanting to play me, it was great. And uh, so, so we would create these relationships. Now, these relationships weren't face-to-face. They weren't traditional relationships where I'd be going to their house and talking with them. It'd be kind of weird, actually, if, you know, if I was. But uh, it was unique in that I was actually conversing with them about really deep things over a headset. Remember, they were used to talking on these in drive through So talking in, in, through Xbox Live as we were playing a video game was very common, and, and it actually created some really neat opportunities. So I, I started to think, well, is this authentic? Well, one of those times, I was actually able to invite one of those kids to a Bible study I was having at my house through Xbox Live. And it kind of made me realize that there's a lot of power in this. There's a lot of opportunity that we have electronically in face-to-screen communication. So, of course, that you know, developed into MSN Messenger and Facebook and Twitter and and many other forms of connections, and we have them all right now at our fingertips. And people are having face-to-screen relationships all around us. Now, social media is a huge industry, and it's ever-changing, and it's relevant in the lives of millions. Uh, Some of the biggest influencers in the world today are those on YouTube and Instagram. And uh, how many here have heard of the name Felix Arvid Ulf Schelberg? My brother. All right, well... Your brother is better known as PewDiePie. 
many of you have heard about him. He's a Swedish-born university dropout uh, who started a YouTube channel in 2010 and two years later had one million subscribers and today has 55 million subscribers. I mean, that's quite an, inf that's quite an, inf that's quite an influencer. Uh, how about uh, Sky Does Minecraft? Uh, a YouTube channel based on one of the strangest games online. Uh, it's a game kind of like playing Lego, where you do quests and there's weird animals running around you all the time. I haven't played it much. Um, it, has, it has about 12 million subscribers to that one YouTube channel. That's mind-boggling. Uh, Casey Neistat's an interesting uh, influencer who a month ago had a video that, that's, that had set 37 million views. In, like within this last month, 37 million people watched one of his videos. That's more than the population of Canada. Now, Canada has less people than uh, Vin Diesel has following him on Instagram. Isn't that crazy? I mean, he's a good-looking guy. Uh, uh, how about some of the other big names on Instagram? There's about uh, 37 celebrities that have more followers on Instagram than, than there are in people that live in Canada. And, uh, but how about people we know? There's guys like uh, Zach Melhus, who has, who has like 40,000 followers on Instagram. It's amazing. Or even better yet, how about uh, Jaden Plett? 1,500 followers and growing on Instagram. He was playing guitar here this morning. And then, the guy leading worship, Wes Braun, has over 600 followers on Instagram. Wow, these are some pretty neat influencers. Check them out. Now, our church has about 230 followers on Instagram right now, and I hope after today that grows a little bit. But I guess <laughs> you have to sign up. Now, why am I telling you all this? You know, I'm not up here to give you a lesson on social media. That's not why we're here in church. And I don't think you woke up this morning hoping to hear about this. I, I think and I hope that you came here this morning hoping to hear from God. And so, but this is the world we live in. And unless there's a worldwide power outage, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to change. And it's interesting that a, a YouTube uh, person who has 630,000 subscribers... So that's sarcasm. He said this. Uh, you know, I went to the Arctic and I was really happy to be disconnected from the internet. And uh, it was a real freeing time for him. And he was saying this on his YouTube post that I was watching online that he needed to, for me to connect with him. Uh, you know, this is a strange world that we live in. And we have an addicted to the screen society. We do. I mean, how many of us walk around with a screen in our on our hands, in our, in our pockets constantly, and we're addicted to it. And that's a challenge for us as a church. And it's something that we need to have our eyes open to a little bit. Now, before we get too judgmental, now this is nothing new, as many people can't go a day without reading the news. We, find, we see some pretty neat pictures, uh, you know, old-timey pictures where, you know, on a subway or in a, in a train where everybody's got the big newspaper in front of them. Uh, this isn't a new thing. Listening to a favorite, favorite radio program that you have to listen to or watching the evening news or, or a soap opera that you've been watching for decades. Uh, it's for my wife. Uh, she's British, so they all watch it. I don't know why. Uh, Coronation Street. 
Um, anyway, uh, or that talk show, or, or we feel, or back in the 90s, this was a great one for, in my generation, at, at 10 p.m. every night we'd watch Seinfeld. You know, we were addicted to things like this, and we had to watch them. But let's, not be, let's be careful not to be addicted to those kinds of things, because you know, we're, we're valuing the, the voice of a, of a famous stranger more than our peers sometimes, and uh, we need to be careful about that. So what did Jesus think about authentic relationships? What was his desire for us? And it's great that John 17 gives us a wonderful glimpse into Jesus' prayer for himself, his apostles, and for us. And at the start of this series, if you remember back to when uh, we started this value series, the first one was, was entitled Knowing God. And uh, Pastor Tim actually shared from John 17, the first few verses of John 17, and uh, gave us a glimpse about who God the Father is and God the Son is. And, uh, and if you didn't know this, you can go back and watch those, vi- those online uh, or listen to them online. There's a great ex- use of face-to-screen relationships. Uh, now let's look at John 17, 20. So if you open up your Bibles or open up your phone and click that, click that little button, and let's, let's get into the Word. So John 17, verse 20 says this. I do not ask for these only. Now, I, I do have to pause there. I purposely wanted to do that one of those, oh, wait, hold on a second. Because we actually do have to look back a little bit and scan up a little bit higher in your, in your Bibles. And I want you to look at who Jesus is talking about here. Because there's, there's three different parts. Jesus is talking about himself in the first part of John. In the middle section, he's talking to his apostles. And in the last section that we're going to study, he's going to be talking about us. But let's just jump back a second to take a look at what he's talking about when he looks at his, talks to his apostles or prays for his apostles. You'll see that Jesus is talking specifically about the, the apostles and the, and the believers that are with him. And if you understand the context of this, these verses, it's almost like Jesus is in the, surrounded by his apostles and he's praying for them. Wouldn't that be amazing to listen to? And it's a beautiful part of the prayer where we see Jesus care for his followers and foreshadows his imminent crucifixion and glorification. Understanding that this is the last prayer that Jesus is praying for his apostles and for people. And uh, it's, a, it's a powerful prayer. So as we read through John 17, imagine the scene that Jesus is, is praying for the people that he's with physically. Now, I, when I read scripture, I like to imagine myself, what would I think about if... I was there. So this morning, as we read, I would like you to imagine being with Jesus as he's praying for these things. So look at John 17, 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Now, he's praying to his Father, so he's coming to his Father. He's, he's looking past the cross, and he's coming to, to his Father. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is looking past the cross in this moment. He's looking right through it. And as we see the passionate desire for his followers, whom he knew would have challenges ahead, and a strong desire that they would be one. Think about the challenges that you're faced with right now, the conflicts in this world, the things that are bombarding you, the connections that are, that are hitting you hard. Think about those things. Jesus is praying for those things, for those people who are in the world. Now back to verse 20. 
I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now that's great news. Jesus is praying for us that believe, those that will believe. So if you understand the context of his prayer, he's praying in a moment, praying ahead to those that will believe. Well, that's great news because he's talking about us. It's also an interesting uh, prayer prior to Jesus' death and resurrection in that Jesus is assuming that the proclamation of the gospel will continue after his death. Well, of course he is. He's God. He knows that that's going to happen. But it's an amazing prayer when you put your mind and your physical body in the presence of that prayer. But to me, it's reassuring. And we know that uh, you know, there's believers like you and me uh, reading this prayer in this moment right now and I hope that that stirs your heart to know that Jesus Christ was praying for you in this time, in this world. Amen. Verse 21 and 22 reads, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be, even, be one even as we are one. Allow those words to sink in. There's depth here. You see the, the back and forth that Jesus is using in his words to go I and, and me and he and me and oh, it's powerful. The focus of this is one. One. You see it repeated a number of times. One. So a key to having authentic relationships is the concept of one. Now what does one signify? Uh, togetherness, unity, closeness, connected. Uh, are we, as we discover being connected uh, comes with many, in many different forms. You know, we can do it a lot electronically. We can feel connected that way. But being connected is truly challenging. Now several, several years ago I took part in this training, management training session uh, it was focused on, uh, on basically moving leadership style from the old transactional way, as a boss would go, you do this because I told you so, to uh, more of a transactional or a transformational relationship where you would encourage your staff to, to do it because it, it felt good and changed them a little bit. It was an interesting time in, in leadership, and, and you can see it happening more and more today. Now, as, as managers, we weren't too excited about going to this because we'd have to get in touch with our feelings. <laughs> but what happened was it, 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 tra it tra actually transformed the way I think about relationships. And uh, so one of, the, one of the key phrases that they used was called, be here now. Be here now. Now, at first we thought this was ridiculous. I mean, when I'm at work, I'm there. When I'm at home, I'm there. When I'm on vacation, I'm there. And uh, so we, we kind of went through the motions a little bit at first, but then as we got further into this, uh, this training, it was very eye-opening. It was transformational. Be here now, but, but are we really here? So I worked in a place uh, where my office was in the back. And so daily I would come into the, into the place and I would just walk past everyone and I would go to work because that was where my job was. I, I thought that I was doing my part. I was on, uh, focused. I was, you know being that strong guy and just walking right through. And, and uh, it was one day when one of the staff uh, stopped me and said, why are you always so grumpy? 
and I was shocked because I was on a mission. I was going to work. And, and after all, I had the joy of the Lord in me, right? Well, I just forgot to tell my face. And I forgot to, to connect in a relational way with the people that I was leading. So this 15-year-old girl called me out on it. And, it, and after going to that, that training time about being here now, it made me realize that I can't just be walking by people without greeting them. I need to be connected. I need to be one. And so this person exposed in me something that I was missing. I was not authentic in my relationships with my peers, my coworkers, my staff. And it, and it did change me quite a bit. So be here now just doesn't mean your physical location, uh, but mentally and emotionally as well. How many times have you been talking to someone and it appears that, uh, you know, that they're thinking about something else? You know, or you've done this on the phone. You know, to someone else. You, you're, you're kind of making fun of that person who you're not really connected with. Um, how, many, how many enjoy going home from work? You know, we all well, like going home from work. And then we get to relax and put our feet up and, uh, and then we watch TV and somebody asks us a question and we don't listen or we respond in a different way. And there's nobody here that's done that, right? Okay. Um, you know, what if, what if we were husbands to actually talk to our wives, look in the eye and, and be here now for them, with them, be connected, be one. Kids, what would it look like if you logged off for a second and talked to your mom? Well, she might cry, first of all. But, <laughs> but just imagine what that be here now might be like. Wives, listen to his stories about sports again. Thank you. It's, those are important to him. Be here now is, is going to give you something to develop uh, in an authentic way. And uh, I guess really the question is, why do we feel, uh, why are we struggle with feeling connected? You know, why, why is this in a, in a room this size where I know that there's many of you that feel like you're not a part of this, that you're disconnected? Why do we, why do we struggle like that? You know, it's, it's something we all want, uh, yet, yet we, we have a hard time. We second-guess ourselves all the time about if we're good enough or if, uh, if why, you know, why, why would people like me or, you know, what, are my clothes good enough or should I tuck or untuck? I never know. Um, you know, you're not alone, you know, and uh, we need to get together as a people. We need to have some fun together. We need to laugh together. One of the, one of the things I love about working here is our staff, we have a lot of fun. And when you come here and you walk down our hallways, you'll hear laughter constantly. It's great. Now, as a, you know, as the, the boss, I, I'm kind of, okay, get back to work now, but then I have to remind myself that I'm the one laughing. And, uh, you know, we, we need to make sure that we're demonstrating fun. And as a church body, let's have some fun together. Let's get connected. Let's have relationship together. And that's going to demonstrate that we are one. Now, I know your mom has probably said to you at one point, uh, to, to be a friend or to have friends, you have to be a friend. No. Listen to your mom. We need to do that as a church. And be here now demonstrates that we are connected, that we're one. So Jesus prayed that we... His followers may be one, connected, even as we are one, as he's referring to his father, even as we are one, father and son. This is way deeper than being 
than being connected to Jesus. Because you know, we like that. We would like to be connected to Jesus, right? But what he's, at, what he's actually praying for us is not only are we connected to Jesus, but we're connected to each other. And uh, that's messy. That's a challenge sometimes. But that's exactly what Jesus is praying for us in verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Wow, what a full verse. Jesus is one with us, as the Father is one with Jesus, which comes with a promise. Did you catch that promise in there? That we would be perfectly one. Now, does that mean that we're going to be perfect? <laughs> Absolutely not. But I think we can be perfectly one together. A few years ago, I, I was the head basketball coach at Briarcrest College and Seminary. I, I would be coaching, I coached the men's team there. And uh, were we perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, we had some great moments, and there was times where we'd be in sync when the ball would zip, 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 and we'd play together as one, and, and we'd score, and we'd get all excited, and we'd have to do it over and over again. But uh, what we tried to do with that team is we, we, would, we came up with this cheer, and, uh, and the cheer was this. One person would yell, one body, and everybody would respond in this circle, and you can imagine that circle. We, they would respond as, for him. So one body for him. And uh, we wanted to demonstrate to our, our connectedness, our unity, that we were working together, and that we were doing it for God's glory. It was a pretty, I thought it was a pretty cool cheer. But what it did is it changed how we thought about ourselves. We weren't playing for ourselves. We were praying, praying, playing for our, our Father in heaven. So can we try this this morning? I haven't done this for a while. And so if you could just put your hand up. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just put your hand up like this because you're, you're now in the huddle. You've got your hands all together in the huddle. And I'm going to yell one body and you're going to yell for him. Can we do that? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to need to turn my microphone off for a second because I'm going to yell. One body! For him! Nice. Let's play. All right. So we see the principles of being one body throughout Scripture. Uh, being connected is important to God, to Jesus. And you see it through the writings that Paul wrote, gave to us in Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians. You know, and I love reading 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul rambles on about one body, 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 19 times. We get it, okay? The body. We need to be one. Uh, who doesn't love Ephesians 4? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. What does this mean for us, church family? How are we demonstrating one body here? First, we need to get connected. Uh, second, we need to be here now for one another. We have some amazing ministries that happen here. I'm so thrilled to, to be a part of this movement. And we've got to continue to do more. There's some exciting things. And third, we need to join this movement as one body. Get, it excite, get excited about doing this together. And don't be shy about telling others. Why? Well, remember the end of verse 23. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. We have a, we have a mission. That's exciting. And we want to show love to people. The kind of love that God the Father has for God the Son. 
a genuine, authentic relationship with unconditional love as the glue. Now, some have said that, that it's that love which actually bonds the Trinity. Now, think about that for a second. The love that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have for one another is what holds them together. Now, it's that concept that Jesus pray, prays for us, that we would be connected with love. Now, the reason that Jesus is praying for, this, for us to be perfectly one is so that the world, uh, those who don't yet believe, may know about the Father and his love. God the Father loves us so much that he gave us his only son. And as Jesus approaches the cross in this prayer, he's praying for you and me that we would know and experience community and love. In fact, that same love that God the Father has for God the Son. Incredible love. A love so profound that Jesus Christ died for you and me so that we could know the Father. Now, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian family, uh, going to church weekly, came to know the Lord at, at a, as my personal Savior at a young age, was baptized, at, uh, attended Bible camps, and went to Bible college and seminary. And, but after all of that, I really didn't know the depth of God's love until I had my own kids. The moment that my son Brendan was born, he's 21 years old now, and he's about this tall, so he's not a baby anymore. I, can't, I try to hold him, but he doesn't let me. Um, well, the moment he was born, I caught a glimpse of what God did for me in sending his son to earth to die for me, and I was overwhelmed by his love. I was holding my newborn son, and uh, at that moment, I didn't think anybody could take him from me. I mean, it was beautiful. And I realized what God had done in sacrificing his son for me. And I knew that, you know, no one could take him, but then a little nurse took him, and my mom took him, and my mother-in-law took him, and my wife, of course, took him from me. But that's not the point. God loves you. And I realized that in that moment of the sacrifice that he made, sitting in that hospital room, and I've got three great kids, and, and uh, I'm, I'm reminded of God's love for me every time that I see them. And that's what gives us a tremendous amount of hope. Hope. We have it. In Jesus' last prayer, we find an incredible amount of hope as he looks back through time, across, through the cross. And so let's journey with, with uh, Jesus as we read John 17, 24 to 26. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, Jesus, when he said, Father, I desire that they also, the people that are around him, you, may, whom you have given me, may be here with me where I am to see my glory. It's an amazing statement when you think about where he is physically at this point. This is before the cross. Now, the apostles were probably right there with him. Now, just imagine what they were thinking. What are, you, what are you talking about, Jesus? You're talking about your glory? But I want you to catch, 
catch what it says there in the full statement. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Now, to see my glory is amazing. But what we see here in this verse is a big picture, the big picture of the past, present, and future, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. You see how Jesus was in the beginning before the foundation of the world. God loved him. And he's going to look past the cross and see the glory. It's an amazing prayer when you think about it. And, and when we think back to the beginning of uh, chapter, se- chapter 17 and look at verses 1 to 3, when you see the, 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 uh, the eternal life that's that proclaimed there in Jesus' prayer, asking for that, and we think about these verses now, coming to the end of his prayer, that gives us a tremendous amount of hope. Doesn't that give you hope? Knowing that Jesus is praying for you that you would see his glory. This isn't some fickle thing. This is deep. This is complex. This is real. This is authentic. Now, when you look at the, the one phrase that Jesus prays, O righteous Father, it's an interesting uh, you know, little title between uh, in verse 25 that, that marks a unique contrast to the love themes that he's been talking about. Because when, when we think about righteousness, we think about something a little bit different than, than love, don't we? The Bible describes righteous person as just or right, holding, holding to God and trusting in Him. Uh, the bad news is that, uh, that true and perfect righteousness uh, is not possible for man to attain on his own. We, we can't be righteous on our own. The standard is just simply too high. The good news is that true righteousness is possible for mankind, but only through the cleansing of sin by Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God called his father righteous as he was praying about eternal life. What he has to do on the cross gives us hope that we need for today. So as he was praying that, looking ahead, that should give us a tremendous amount of hope. And on the cross, Jesus exchanged our sin for his perfect righteousness so that we can one day stand before God and he will see not our sin, but the holy righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, notice the repetition of the phrase, I in them, in verses 23 and 26. That's a powerful statement. As Jesus Christ is praying that we have the same kind of relationship that he has with the Father that he has with us. It's a family thing. It's a deep bond. It's connection. It's authentic. This connection means something as we look at what the world's definition of authentic is. It's of undisputed origin, genuine, made or done in a traditional or original way, or in a way that faithfully resembles an original, based on facts, accurate or reliable. I like that as we think about our relationships. Uh, are, we genuine, are we genuine in our relationships? Are they made the original way, with time and faithfulness granted to people? Are your relationships accurate, reliable, accepting, forgiving, marked by truth, unity, and grace. So much is, it's so much more than just subscribing to Jesus' YouTube channel or following him on Instagram. Uh, I wish he had one of those. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, having an authentic relationship is what Jesus prayed for between himself and us and between each other. Now, I know that we barely scratched the surface on authentic relationships this morning. Uh, you've got a lifetime to work this out. And, uh, but we know that Jesus prayed for us. 
He's reassuring and motivating us to, to be one body. Oh, you missed your cue there. One body. Thank you. For him, and uh, you know, that's, what, that's how we're connected, for, with love, and that, so that we can have hope. You know, years ago, uh, I was in church uh, similar to this, not this one, but it was a church in Vancouver, and, and uh, maybe this is you. Uh, my parents brought me, and I, we sat pretty close to the front, and uh, I was determined one Sunday morning to raise my hand when the pastor said, uh, you know, is there anyone who wanted to know Jesus personally? You know, I was young, and I wasn't always listening to the sermon, and, and in fact, the pastor was talking about who's going to go on the mission field. But I, I put my hand up anyway because I wanted to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And maybe, maybe that's you this week. Or, or maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you've been coming to church for a while, but, but you haven't really gotten a hold of this authentic relationship that you can have with Jesus Christ. Um, would you pray this prayer with me if that, if that resembles you? If you're wanting to have that one relationship with Jesus, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you prayed for me and I might know and experience love. Thank you for the hope that you give to me. Forgive me of the things that keep us separated and I want to have an authentic relationship with you. I believe that you are my Savior and I want to follow you. Amen. Now, you're not alone. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about being in this big room and, and maybe you're feeling disconnected. Well, the reality is that we are one body. You know, so talk to someone today about this. Get connected. Find that home that you need in this place. And, uh, you know, we're excited about being able to connect with you. And I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come up and you know, if you've prayed that prayer or, or need prayer for something else, uh, I, I'd invite you to come and pray. Talk with your friends that brought you or, or somebody at the you know, welcoming face at the Welcome Center or any of the pastors here would love to talk to you about getting connected and, and feeling like you're having an authentic relationship here at Central Heights. And uh, we want you to feel like you have that opportunity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for us, for continually praying for us, for interceding for us at the Father's right hand. And thank you that we can, we can pray to you and ask that you, would, that you would help us to have authentic relationships as you've prayed for us, that we would be connected, that we would be one, that we'd be able to demonstrate love to one another in, in profound ways so that the world might have hope. So we pray that you would guide us in that. And as we've remembered you and what you've done for us on the cross, may we be reminded daily, moment by moment, of that great love. Amen.